Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. Woo! Fooled you, didn't I? I was worried. I was a little nervous. Magic number 162, brother. We're in first place again, Hope, as far as I'm concerned. Hope Springs Eternal. Hey, by alphabetical, you are. That's right. So, Hope Springs Eternal. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, t- tough luck, man. Not, not even a tough luck. That's just a tough loss. That's, just, that's hard to watch. But we talked about it yesterday. We said... Would you rather just get it over with, and or would you rather suffer through nine innings and have it snatched yeah, uh, out at the end? I think I'd rather got it over with a little less bad than that. Yeah, five runs would have been enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, five nothing, we're, five one. We're doing the okay. show as that that's happening, and Richard's just like, my God, what's happening to them? Like, it's, it was bad. Oh, my gosh, bad, man. So. I'll tell you what, in the... Look, quite frankly, in my life, there's been a long list of disappointing ends to a season. Yeah. Other than 1995. Um there have been, you know, multiple moments of heartbreak and disappointment. I mean, that may have been. I, I think I used this law, uh, this word when I was describing State and Auburn the other day. But that may have been the most embarrassing of the losses in yeah. in my Braves. That's tough. I mean, to to have the team that we. Had, I mean, on one hand, that team won ninety seven games when. Really, if you look at like the MLB Network analysts, MLB Radio Network analysts, there was like. 15, 20 guys, there's a graphic of it. Nobody even picked the Braves to make the postseason. Excuse me, if you any of you heard that out there. We had a technical snafu, yeah, little, but little, little I just fixed there. that. But Anyway, none of them picked the Braves to even make the postseason. And so they win 97 games and pretty much easily win the division. So on one hand, you, you overachieve kind of, I guess. But I don't know. That team had the talent to win the whole friggin' thing. And, and and there's been so much. I hadn't won a playoff series since 2001. That was just... That was just plum embarrassing, but I don't know. The worst part about it is, though, it it ain't even the loss. It's the the fact that some of you out there don't have the love for me that I have for you. I know, man. These people, and you have these people that don't tweet about Major League Baseball for six months. That all of a sudden are just going to hit me with go cards. Yeah, I'm going to find these folks. Yeah, I'm going to find these folks, and then on, on, on the next time State is just getting it hammered. Yeah, whoever they're playing. Yeah. Whether it's Auburn, yeah, LSU. If it's LSU, I'm about to say you only got six days to wait on that. I'm just going to send hashtag Go Tigers to all you guys. There you go. When that happens, there you go. You know what? I I approve of your pettiness. I tell you what, I I led a Bible study tonight during this man, so I got the word in me. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jesus and many others actually though have said, treat others as you'd like to be treated. So if people want to be treated that way, uh. I Maybe that's how they want to be You should go with the Bobby, Heenan, the Bobby Heenan way, which is do unto others as they do unto you, but do it first. <laughs> that's the way to go. Oh, no. All I'm, right. I'm well, heartbroken, but you know what, Brian? Tomorrow's another day. Wait till next year. There you go. Uh, well, that's the Giants here. Go ahead and tell you. Uh, we got a good show for you. Thanks for tuning in today at supertalk.fm or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate all our listeners out there, especially the servicemen and women who protect us across the world. And we want to thank our sponsors. We got a uh, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream over there on Highway 12. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm still on that that grind, and it is definitely a grind. And today, I was, you know, I, I keep track of all my calories. I was way under today. I, I thought about it. I had, I, I was gonna, I was gonna turn in and get some ice cream. And all I could think was, man, if my kids found out I went to Churn and Spoon, they they never let me hear the end of that. <laughs> so I didn't do. It. I'm, I'm gonna get over there this week though, for some point. So uh, yeah, and of course next week when you're up here in Starville, you don't want to come, you don't want to miss that. Gonna need some juice. Head I, over. I gave him my money today. I, got, do I still have a gift card up there too, don't I? 
I haven't gone and gotten it. I guess you do. As far as I know, you do. Tomorrow. I did. Okay, and, I, need, and, I need to go check and, that and out. He, he told us he was paying up. The right, those, I'm so. gonna go. I'm gonna go take care of that tomorrow. I'll, I'll get that. Or I, as today as you're listening. Mine, every dime of it has been spent. <laughs> I need to do that. It didn't take long. So, so I want to thank uh, Churn and Spoon, and in something that might make Joel a little happy, want to welcome our new sponsor. Yeah. All right, the College Corner. We are one-stop bulldog shop, two locations in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland next to Fleet Feet, and, of course, their new location in Flowood next to Half Shell. We did a remote there at uh, for Sports Talk Mississippi. That place is loaded with great stuff. If you don't live in Jackson, it's no problem. You can always shop online, collegecornerstore.com, and check out their Facebook and Instagram pages. They've got lots of great specials and show you all the new merchandise they're bringing in. Don't waste time in Starkville. You've got game day is is hectic enough. Don't wait in line in Starkville. Stop by before you head up here, and their staff will have you in and out and on your way. They got you covered for all your tailgating and home gating needs. So home gating is is the way to go. I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, home. I'm glad I home gated the Braves game. There today. you go. That was great. So. I didn't spend the money or the gas for that. Welcome aboard College yeah. Corner. That, that, that's breaking news to yeah. me. I didn't know that was coming. I, I was going to surprise you with it. They have the largest selection of Bulldog gear in central Mississippi. And through the month of October, mention Thunder and Lightning at checkout and get 15% off your entire purchase. You can also use it online. Just put, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about this. Just put Thunder in the coupon tab at checkout. You get the same discount. Again, that's collegecornerstore.com for online shopping or their two locations next to Fleet Feet in Ridgeland or next to Half Shell in Flowood College Corner, a new sponsor here on Thunder and Lightning. All right, we've talked enough about all that kind of stuff. Let's talk about Mississippi State versus Tennessee. Big game. We've got a great interview coming up in just a bit with Austin Stanley, who covers the Vols for A to Z Sports in Nashville. This is my question uh, for you. How did we get here? How did we get to this game? We talked all summer about this is a big game. Swing game could be a difference. It's become, for both teams, maybe the biggest game of the season. Yeah. How did we get here? This is a game that, for Mississippi State, how did they get here? You got here because you lost one game that you, at least in our viewpoint, shouldn't have lost. And you lost another game in a way that you shouldn't have lost it. Yeah. And so you go into this game in Knoxville as Mississippi State with fan confidence and fan – I don't know that I'm speaking for every fan, but I think I'm speaking for a lot of them – go into this game not really sure what to make of Joe Moorhead, mm-hmm. don't really know what to make of this team, don't know what to make of this season. Um, And this is the tipping point. I mean, if, if Mississippi State – after doing what they've done previously this year, goes into Knoxville and loses this game. I mean, what you're probably at best case scenario walking into the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night, needing a win to get to a bowl game. Is that fair? Is that I, I don't I hadn't sat here and done the math on that, but no, it's very. You fair. lose this in your three and three. You it, you feel like you should be Abilene in Arkansas, but that's five and six. Yeah, so you probably go into Thanksgiving night needing a W to to get to a bowl game. Um. You just got to win this game if you're Mississippi State. It, it, it losing the Kansas State game has made I don't know maybe maybe no. well, I was going to say losing the Kansas State game has made this the must win more that, so. That's than That's not the, that's not that's not what I wanted to ask you is if State were four and two after this game, but both losses were Auburn and Tennessee, and, and, and assuming Tennessee was sort of what we thought they were going to be, which was an improved team. Yeah, if everything that we thought preseason about Tennessee had held up, and you're yeah. four and two, yeah, Tennessee goes in this game at what three and two, three or and something two, something like that. Or three and two. They had a close loss with Florida. Georgia maybe handled them, right? 
Don't you feel a lot better at that four and two than even you're going to feel at four and two with a win on Saturday? It probably depends on how the two losses come. Like if Auburn still look the same, and then if Tennessee is a train wreck too, I guess you're right. Then maybe you know be about the same. But but yeah, I think all things being equal, kind of what we thought would be the case if it had happened your way. I, I think that you do feel better with that four and two, with a couple of SEC losses on the road in the league to a really good Auburn team and a, a ten, an improving Tennessee team. If that had been the case, I think yeah, people's mentality is different, but. And in reality, in reality, you're going to play a one in four Tennessee team that has looked wretched, and you've had your moments of eh, too. Yeah. So if you go up there and lay an egg, oh man, I, it'd be good for business, I guess, as far as things that are true on Monday. But other than that, this would be his worst loss, wouldn't it? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, you look at the, in reality, Moorhead's losses. Aren't but, that bad? Yeah, this is one of those things we got to look from like a thousand feet up. They lost to a ten-win Kentucky team, a ten-win Florida team, a what, eleven-win LSU his, team. His two worst, or, his and, worst, and, and the the national runner-up, and then the bowl game. Iowa still a nine-win team. His worst loss since he's been here was this year, right? The K State game. It's got to be. Yeah, because I mean, I don't. Obviously, we have ways to go, but he hasn't lost to a team with a losing record. He would do so with a loss on on Saturday. Yeah. So. I don't know. It just feels like it feels like we've been building to this almost, you know, that somehow what is he now? 19 games into his tenure that we it, it, you shouldn't reach the crossroads that quickly. You know? No, and I know that we're kind of going back to what we discussed on the other day show, but Look, if Joe Moorhead loses this game at Tennessee, I don't think anyone but just blind, complete homers will have any optimism in, in or faith in him at that point, right? right? right I mean, right. I, and that's not to say that he couldn't lose it and then recover, because I know it's life. Things happen. It could, and right. he's a smart guy, and it could happen. But I'm just saying that from a mental standpoint, I think very few people, if he loses at Tennessee to a 1-4 Vols team that, quite frankly, sucks. You know, I know that they can't say that, and I know that Tommy Stevens and guys stand at the podium and say, oh, we see a lot of talented athletes. And I know on the road, you know, things could happen and, you know, you could lose a game. But this is a team you got to beat. And if you don't, I don't know how anyone could sit around and say, yeah, they lost that one, but get them next week, Coach. We're A-OK, you know? I, it, it, he could pull them out of the ditch. I ain't saying he couldn't. But I'm just saying that the faith in that happening, I think it tanks. If he loses yeah. this game, who is this game bigger for? Is it, is it fair to say it's bigger for Mississippi State because for Tennessee it's sort of already sealed up that they're not going to go to a bowl, even at one and four? I mean, they would have to go five and two the rest of the way on a schedule that still includes a trip to Missouri, a trip to Alabama, uh, you know, South Carolina. Who I don't know. I, I learned this stat today. Will Muschamp as a head coach has never lost to Tennessee. Ooh, I did not know that. So basically, what you're saying is, if Tennessee wins this game, it doesn't really change your outlook. It means they're probably going four and eight instead of three and nine. So yeah, in that 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 instance, I mean, it does seem larger for Mississippi State because it does seem like this is a tipping point of the season. You have to win this game, and if you do win it, and that's another thing for Joe Morris, if he wins this game, particularly if he wins it impressively, yeah, I mean, you you have a clear right path. Back on base. You have a clear path to seven and five at least. You know, win a bowl game eight and five. That's what you did last year. And, and with what you lost, uh, everybody's feeling hunky-dory with you at the end of the year. So, 
it, this thing could swing to two extremes when it comes to fan opinion of Joe Moore. And fan opinion matters, I think. I, I know, sorry, Matt Stevens, fan opinion just matters. You know, I know we used to argue about that on that show, but uh, if fans aren't excited about your coach and about your program, then they don't show up. And if fans aren't showing up at your stadium, that's when when fans really have a say-so in the direction of a program. Uh, is when they're not showing up. So that's that's their that's their biggest could, weapon. Yeah. So to maintain excitement and belief and and the 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 thought that Joe Moorhead could could get this thing uh, taken to the next level in his words, you know, good great. It's what he's preached since he's been here. You just got to win this week to keep people thinking that that's a possibility. Um, and we'll see if it happens. But yeah, it's. It's humongous for state, and I know it doesn't. It ain't going to get a ton of national attention or whatever because it's a middle tier SEC team and a lower tier SEC team. Right. But, but from a program standpoint, I mean, I don't know if there's another game in the. I don't know. If it, I, I'm sure there is, but there's probably very few teams in the country, in my opinion, that a game means as much as this one kind of does for Moorhead and State this weekend. Who starts a quarterback? I kind of think it's going to be Tommy. I do too. I do too. I think I think it, I think I think he's healthy now. With Tommy, it could only be a couple series, you know, because he's just he seems to be so he just doesn't seem to be very durable. But I think he's going to get the start, and and I think they'll both play. I think they're both going to see some time. They'll see, we'll see whatever Moorhead's version of slippery digits is with both of them on the field. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a certainty that they'll both play. Yeah, and I, but I don't think it's going to be in a rotation kind of thing. I mm-hmm. think it's just going to be. Now there might be a situation where, look, it's third and one. Let's bring in Schrader and just plow ahead. Yeah. You know, that's something Mullen would never do. He never. I don't recall him ever like changing guys mid play. Like guys got drives like mid series. Yeah. Kind of maybe, well, I'm trying to think maybe Dak on the goal line a little bit, but like just I, I don't remember that a lot. I could be mis- misremembering. I remember Dak kind of came in mid drive, didn't he? In like that, uh, the uh, twelve egg bowl in Oxford, didn't he? I don't remember. Down down near the goal line. but it was, I have blocked out a lot of that game. Totally I, think, I think that's right. But, I mean, that was seven years ago. I've slept since then. But I can I can, uh, I can can close my eyes and still see Dante Moncrief running wide open. Um, yeah, gosh almighty, what a disaster that was. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they're both going to play. Does it matter to you? I, no. No, I, I I think that state should win this game regardless of who's the quarterback. I, I don't think it. Um, I just I think Tommy's going to be the guy. A like you said because he's healthy, but B he'd never say this, but there has to be some semblance of a little bit of loyalty to a guy that kind of chose to hitch his wagon to you for his last yeah. collegiate season, doesn't it? I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I don't. So anyway, all that plays in together. Why I think it'll be Tommy, but uh, I, no. My prediction for this game, I don't think would change regardless of which guy was the starting quarterback. Because I think both of them should beat them. Both both of them should have some level of success against Tennessee. Um, so yeah, I, I no. Who's quarterbacking this game and who runs out there for the opening drive and who plays the majority of the snaps? Even I, both guys should be able to beat this Tennessee team this year. I mean, I guess part of that plays into can your defense provide some resistance. Uh, you know, it's not just on the, the quarterback and the offense. You got to be better defensively at Tennessee than you were at Auburn. I don't think that's that's mistaken, but I, I think you'll see the suspended guys play in this game and you will see more of a Kentucky-like game defensive effort 
in Knoxville. If you, if I just had to guess, well, I think yeah, having the the full roster should should help that as well. Do you feel like that's okay? Oh, it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. This is just too much on the line not to play everybody. Yeah. All right. And and we've to just some clarity on the suspension thing a little bit more. I talked about it on the telecommerce today a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed your poem on that. You didn't I, I, I've only done it a couple times this year. Come um, on, Joel. And plus, my mind's been in other places. It's today, all about the probably. brand, Joe. Joel. <laughs> um. But, yeah, it does seem like the suspension stuff, and, and some people may be aware of this, and some people may have thought it or whatever, they didn't really decide this on a week-to-week basis right. kind of deal. Joe Joe basically said that today on the teleconference. I mean, this was settled who's playing what game. Uh, I, I think there's some flux to this. They can, you know, use some ways to make an adjustment if need be for roster depth purposes or whatever. But by and large, all of this suspension stuff and who's playing what game was settled before the first kickoff of the season. Um, so in that instance, I mean, if I'm deciding that, then you decide you want those guys to play in your toss-ups. That's what I would do. And, uh, we saw them play against Kentucky, um, toss-up game. We didn't see them play against Auburn, which really going into the year, we, I don't know that we thought was a toss-up game that week. You and I kind of thought it may be, mm-hmm. um, but Tennessee's a definite toss-up game. I think you're going to see those guys play in the toss-up games. And and here you go. So I I think you will see those guys this weekend. All right, let's get to our interview now. Austin Stanley, he's joined Sports Talk Mississippi many times in the past. He's one of the hosts of A to Z Sports in Nashville. Let's get his thoughts on the Volunteers. Bulldogs looking to make their first trip to Rocky Top since 2008. First time playing the Volunteers since 2012. So obviously I don't know much about them. Luckily for me, my friend Austin Stanley from A to Z Sports there in Nashville knows plenty about them. I talked to a lot of people about Tennessee, and I know you talked about it a ton on your show, and I think that the thought process was, look, this is going to be another building year. There's reasons for optimism. And then it just happened. This season is just happening the way it's happening. Just in your opinion, what went wrong for Tennessee between August and today? Yeah, and I think you're right with the whole optimism thing because I feel like being in Nashville and having your ears pointed towards Knoxville to listen to Ethan that comes out of there with the balls and the whole month of July was about what this team could do with a new revamped coaching staff and an offensive coordinator and T Martin and uh, and a new D coordinator Derek Ansley and Jim Cheney's offense is gonna make Jared Garantano take the next step. And then also a part because I feel like Jeremy Pruitt and the coaching staff completely overlooked Georgia State. They did not game plan. They lost an inexcusable game. Uh, no excuses whatsoever for that loss. And then it kind of the snowball started rolling down the hill and getting bigger and bigger. And they lose to BYU uh, in the last you know second, the last minute. And then that game goes into overtime. It should be three and two at this point. They should have three wins over Georgia State, BYU, and Chattanooga. Have the losses to Florida and have the loss to, to Georgia. And all is okay because the ultimate goal entering the year was Pruitt just needs to get to a bowl game. And a lot of people looked foolish, including me, because I thought this team could go 7-5. and five. Uh, And there is no way, <laughs> no way they're getting seven wins. And uh, it will take a uh, masterful turnaround to get to a bowl game as they sit at 1-4 and four going in this weekend. I don't want to give you a magic wand. I don't want you to tell me that you can change something that really can't be changed. But if you could fix one problem with this Tennessee team that is fixable, what would it be? Oh, I don't think Jared Garantino is fixable, so I'll throw that away. Um, I guess I would say 
I would go back and change that play against BYU where Alante Taylor, the cornerback, sophomore player, good player, let his guy run right by him. They pick up 50 yards, and they get in field goal range to kick a game-tying field goal as time expires. I think, I think this season is a lot different if Tennessee has a win over BYU. Too many things went wrong against Georgia State for me to fix it, but that one play against BYU, maybe Tennessee gets more confidence. Uh, I still think they're two and two. Oh, I'm sorry, I still think they're two and three uh, at that point because of the loss of the Florida and Georgia. But I think they have a different confidence about themselves, and maybe the loss to Florida isn't thirty-four to three. Maybe it's a little bit closer. You mentioned the quarterback change, Jaron Garantano out, Brian Moore in. Why the change, and what does Moore bring to the offense? What does he do differently? Well, I think what you can immediately see that's, that you don't have to know anything about football is that Brian Mauer just brings a lot more energy and confidence to the offense. He's a true freshman out of Florida. He's a young kid. You can tell he's got some moxie and swagger about him. But Jared Garantano, as being an incumbent starter, where he made some big-time plays last year, you thought he would be much better this year. But he just left too many big plays on the field for just not throwing the football not seeing the field well. Uh, there were two plays in the Florida game when the game was just 7 nothing Gators in the early part of the first half where Garantano missed a touchdown to Juwan Jennings that would have tied it, and then later in the quarter he missed a wide-open tight end, Dominic Wood Anderson, that would have been a 70-yard touchdown pass, and he just was so inaccurate. He threw the ball, he was 15 yards off. And, and, and so I think Garantano was, was – too inconsistent in finding open receivers and then delivering the football accurately on time to those receivers. Where you see Maurer in his first start, I think it was the second series of his first start, it throws a 73-yard bomb to Marquez Callaway, and all of a sudden it's 7-7, Neyland Stadium's rocking uh, because they tied Georgia early on in that game. So I think it's the fearlessness from Maurer and just the extra energy he provides to the offense. You know, obviously, when you look at the Georgia game, 43-14, but, I mean, Georgia is one of the, the top three or four teams in the country. I don't know how much you really take away from that. I think if Mississippi State played Georgia, the, the score would probably be pretty similar. Uh, but the other games, you know, defensively, Tennessee hasn't been that bad. They, they're not giving up a whole ton of yards. They aren't giving up a whole ton of points. The Florida game is sort of the one you would point to as, as things got away from there. But this defense has not been terrible if you were going to be on the Mississippi State sideline, how are you going to attack the Tennessee defense? Well, I, their secondary struggles to tackle. Um, so uh, Nigel Warrior, who is uh, in famously Dale Carter's son, Dale Carter, superstar at Tennessee about 25, 30 years ago almost, uh, was a, was a big-time recruit and just has not panned out. He's a senior, and he just makes too many mistakes. I think overall tackling in the secondary is rough, and – Jake Fromm had the cleanest jersey of anybody in Neyland Stadium Saturday night because his balls could not get to him. I don't remember one time he was actually hit as he was delivering the ball. He was not sacked once. Now, Georgia has a phenomenal offensive line. But I think, I think those two things, I think overall the secondary can cover fine. The inside linebackers are pretty special because you've got the, uh, the senior leader, Daniel Petuli, and then the freshman phenom, Henry Toto, uh, who play really well together. But they're very thin overall, and I think that kind of tells the story of why 
as you mentioned, they're not that bad. It's just they get run away from late by Florida and Georgia because the depth uh, is basically not existent. Uh, and Tennessee's offense is unable to help them out. And so they get tired, they get worn down, and they give up a lot of points in the second half of games. Let's look at the, the big picture for Tennessee in this one. What happens if Tennessee can't get this win on Saturday? And, and then long term, when you look at the schedule, I mean, I, I don't think Tennessee's going to go 3-9, and nine, but they could. What happens to Pruitt? Yeah. Is, he, is he safe this year no matter what? Well, we talked about this on Wednesday morning on our show, and I, I kind of pointed out there's seven games left. One's Alabama. You can throw that over to the side. One's Missouri. You can toss that one over. So I think so. Alabama, Missouri, you can completely scratch them off. They're not even coming close in those games. So I kind of ranked the five games in most winnable to least winnable. And I had Mississippi State uh, fifth, and where that's the toughest matchup, I think, of the five potentially winnable games. Wow. The first one is they, they got to beat UAB. Uh, they, I think Vanderbilt's just as bad as Tennessee. So number Vander, Vandy's number two, Kentucky's three, South Carolina four, and then Mississippi State number five. I, I know State's been hot or cold this this year so far, and I know they're kind of playing some weird games with some of their defensive players not playing and some and playing in others. Uh, but overall, I think it's a six and a half point spread. Uh, this weekend, so I feel like there's a chance Tennessee could pull an upset because of the change of Brian Maurer. But overall, uh, I mean, it's not crazy to think that Tennessee could finish three and nine. And to answer your question about Pruitt's job, is I, I think Tennessee would have to go zero and eight in league play for Philip Fulmer to pull the plug on Pruitt because he's a first-time AD. That's his first hire, and to pull in that quickly after two years would take like ultimate disaster and some ball fans might think it's already happening disaster that is but i think they would have to finish two and ten with an zero and eight league record uh for him to potentially lose his job and i said this again on wednesday too that i think the, the loser of vandy tennessee is three and nine the winner is four and eight and that's and i think i think I think the loser, if that's Derek Mason, I think Derek Mason could also lose his job at Vandy, too. Yeah, I think Mason is probably in a lot of trouble, uh, regardless of what happens with Tennessee, but we'll see what happens there. Tennessee is so interesting to me because, like I said at the beginning, I really thought they were going to take a step forward this year. I, you know, they going to Auburn last year and getting that win, I was very impressed by that. I thought Pruitt had things going in the right direction, but it's just, it's sometimes, I think what you're saying is correct about BYU, that, you know, the, the first game, okay, you can shake that off, but when it happens two games in a row, that, that will affect the team mentally sometimes. We'll see what happens uh, this Saturday. Uh, 11 a.m. kick in Knoxville at uh, Neyland Stadium. My first trip there. I'm very excited. Where should I eat? Give me one place. Oh, man. I mean, uh, so what, what what day are you going up? I'll be, there Friday, I'll be there Friday be... evening, and I'll be there through Saturday. I'll be okay. staying the whole weekend. That's good for you. Well, the campus has changed so much in these seven years now since I've graduated. Uh, but Calhoun's on the River is always a go-to. Uh, and I know that's still there. That's going to be slam-packed. <laughs> but I definitely check out the Old City uh, mm-hmm. near downtown. There's a lot of great spots to eat down there. Market Square has a lot of cool spots uh, to eat down there, especially in October where the weather, you know, fingers crossed, should be really nice. Cool. Austin Stanley from A to Z Sports in Nashville. Thanks very much, man. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Anytime. All right, thanks to Austin. We appreciate his time. And uh, like I said, he was uh... – very kind enough to join us. For you, what's the biggest 
I think for me, it's it's more about defense than offense in this game. Are, are you the same? Yes. Yes, because I think offensively, I'm not saying State will be a world beater out there, but I think they're going to score points. I think that, you know, Tommy or uh, Garrett, they're going to have some success. I mean, you just saw Garrett. I, I know that some of it was late, but, I mean, State put up 23 points in that, you know, crap fest of a game that everybody saw at Auburn a couple weeks ago. I, I think State's going to go to Knoxville and score some points. And it's basically going to boil down to does your defense look inept like it did at times a couple weeks ago or – or uh, with, you know, whether or not the suspended guys play, does does it look like a competent unit again? Um, I think you're right. I, I think it all boils down to state. I don't want to say returning to form, but being better defensively. For me, having the full defense obviously obviously going to help that. Uh, you know, I think you know Richard asked me on on the show on Wednesday. You know, are you more worried about passing or running? I said, you know, with the full complement with Autry and Gay, I'm a lot more worried about passing. Because, I mean, it's watching Bo Nix struggle against Florida really brought into light for me how badly MSU played on defense against them. He looked he looked like an All SEC quarterback against State, just dropping in passes to wide open receivers. There was some huge bust in coverage. So hopefully having you know Autry up front and Gay back and and will not only allow you to defend the run better, but should allow you to maybe get a little more pass rush. And having Marcus Murphy back should be big for MSU this week. I think I think people have underrated how big a part. You know, people have pointed to C.J. Morgan a few times as, gosh, what's he doing back there? He's starting because Marcus Murphy is not there. So, for me, yeah, defensively, the, the, it's huge for Mississippi State. They have to find a way to be better. And if they are, they're going to win. You know, I don't think State has to worry about losing 28-14. to you know, 14. Yeah. they got to worry about losing 31-28, yeah. something like that. Which means, too, that and with some of the suspended guys, assuming they play, it'll help this, but... Some of those special teams gaffes have to be cut out, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just has to be. And Somebody asked in the rumblings. I don't remember if we answered it or if I just read it later. But somebody, so I guess if we didn't, we'll kind of hit on it now for a minute. But somebody asked if this season has kind of seemed like Groundhog Day a little bit. Because we we, we, we talk about the same stuff every week. Who's the quarterback? You know, who suspended yeah. guys. They play in. Special teams has been an issue every stinking week. Yeah. Um, And some of that's just... Some of that, I understand why. I mean, the, the the suspended guys and stuff, it is an issue week to week. I mean, who's been quarterback? I mean, both guys have been a little bit nicked up, so that's kind of been a deal. But that special teams issue, it kind of surprises me that here we sit six games in, and has State had a clean special teams game yet? No. No. They missed a field goal in the first game. They missed a field goal in the second game. They had the kickoff return in the third game. Uh, in the fourth game, who did they play? Kentucky. Um I think they missed a field goal in that game, and I—I I mean, they just, yeah, they haven't had one. They just—they just haven't. So I mean, that's, I, that's I, not acceptable. You should be enough better than Tennessee that maybe that doesn't play into to, to a fact. But you can't count on going on the road in the SEC and just blowing them out. So I no. mean, if it's a close game, that matters. Um. So yeah, uh, that—that's something that, too. I don't think it will be the decisive factor of the game, but. That's something that, especially going forward, you would like State to have a clean special teams performance to think that when you get into games like maybe the A&M game that could be a a close one or, you know, even Ole Miss later in the year, whatever. I mean, you you would like to have faith that your special teams can, can play a clean ball game. Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right, a lot more preview tomorrow on this show when we uh, dive into Mississippi State versus Tennessee for our preview playmaker prediction 3P Friday extravaganza. Yeah. Which will be. Speaking of actual Friday, yeah, 
Uh, nobody else there cares, but uh, you might care. Um, I can eat dinner with we you. We can Friday go have dinner. <laughs> I, t- I was talking to some of the guys about that. I was like, hey, Joel can join us now. There's a silver lining in every cloud, Joel. I've, I got some good places I've picked out. Don't worry. We're going to eat good, I promise. All right, we'll talk to you guys on Friday. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo! I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.